This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today, Elon Musk releases the second installment of the Twitter files. Paul Whelan speaks out on being left in Russia, and St. Louis is planning reparations for black residents. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. Happy Friday. I am Sarah Gonzalez and I am joined today by Eric July. This is, of course, a comic book owner, maker, extraordinaire. You can find all of it over at Ripaverse Comics or Ripaverse.com. I didn't say Ripper either. I said Ripa. Ripaverse.com, which people always accuse me of being racist because I'm like, we got cold, him back. Cold switching. Yeah, yeah, we got cold him back. Switching. That's my favorite word cold. now. <laughs> Young Rippa59 yeah. is his, is it, it's still going to be your YouTube yeah, forever. Be, when it, when, even YouTube when I'm user. old, it'll, be, it'll still be Young Rippa59. Young Rippa59. Yeah. So it's not me, it's him. He's the one who did it. Uh, also joined by Alex Stein, of course, host of uh, a new show that... Primetime with Alex Stein. <laughs> Coming out yet. sooner than later <laughs> is what we're saying. <laughs> Um, all right, I want to get into, let's get into this Twitter stuff first. So yesterday, as I mentioned, all of the second kind of document dump came from Twitter in the Twitter file saga. This was released by Barry Weiss. I kind of love how Elon is giving these different installments to different uh, journalists who he kind of vets and makes sure that they are independent, um, which I would say Barry Weiss is as well. So the new investigation revealed that teams of Twitter employees build Blacklists prevent disfavored tweets from trending and actively limit the visibility of entire accounts or even trending topics, obviously all in secret without informing users. This is something that I think conservatives have been noticing and trying to sound the alarm on for a very, very long time. So, you know, you may hear this news that go like, yeah, duh, we've been talking about this for years now, but it's always been something that we've been called conspiracy theorists for. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to hear, uh, you know, get, get all of that proof that you in fact were correct the entire time. Um, one example given by Barry Weiss was, of course, Stanford doctor I know, uh, Eric, you are very familiar with, Jay, Jay Bhattacharya, yeah, who, uh, according to Barry Weiss, argued that COVID lockdowns would harm children. Check, correct. Uh, Twitter secretly placed him on a trends blacklist, which would prevent any of those tweets from trending. Dan Bongino was on the list as well. Uh, at one point, he was slapped with a search blacklist. And she also revealed that uh, what many people call shadow banning, uh, Twitter executives and employees call visibility filtering or VF and multiple high level sources confirmed its meaning. Um, and then I want to get to uh, this sort of secret group that was in charge of all of this. This is a SIP PES is what it's the acronym is Site Integrity Policy Policy Escalation Support. So these were the, the people who made all of these decisions 
in secret, and this was where mo the most sensitive political decisions were made on who they were gonna who they were gonna shadow ban, what they were gonna keep from trending. One of the accounts that rose to this level of scrutiny was, of course, our friend Libs of TikTok, uh, who was on the trends blacklist and was designated as "Do not take action on user without consulting with SIP Pess," and uh, they. They admitted, by the way, within these internal emails that we're seeing, that libs of TikTok did not actually violate any of their policies. They just wanted her suspended. And so they did. And they, would, they called it an account timeout, uh, that they would put her account in timeout. And they were just very, very patiently waiting to see if she would actually violate any of those rules. And then at that point, they were going to permanently suspend her. But they argued, of course, that her videos, that she would just, I mean, I, I'm still waiting for her to get a thank you because she's just promoting content that these people are putting out themselves for purposes of other people viewing them. So mm -hmm. I wish that she got the thank you that she deserved, but instead they said that her putting these videos out there is of course inciting violence against LGBTQIA apostrophe uh, squared, whatever acronym you wanna use, people, and she must be put in time out, Eric. Yeah, this was pretty, I hate to use the term incriminating, but. You had that Vijaya chick who went on a couple of shows just flat out lying, saying that they don't shadow ban. Um, and I think Dorsey went up to Congress mm -hmm. and actually said that. He and sure he's all, both of them, as well mm -hmm. as Joel Roth, were part of these like weird uh, little mini groups that were uh, within Twitter that were in some way, shape or form responsible for the outcome. The Libs of TikTok situation was one of those interesting ones and if you actually listen in on that oh if you actually if you actually my bad uh, but if you actually listen in on that or rather you read it it says explicitly like in the actual slacks in the documentation it says that they didn't violate any sort of rules and you had guys like your Roth which I believe is his name who was trying to go out of his way to figure out how we can get these guys off because he knew himself they haven't violated anything. So what exactly do we do? And we'll give them these time timeouts. We'll make it as vague as possible, but we can't really get them completely off of the platform because they haven't violated anything. So what, what this tells me is that we know the technology exists. I'm more interested in what's, because in some way, shape or form, still you're gonna get it used. He's kind of admitted that when he's talked about hate impressions, Elon Musk, that is. And he says you should have freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach. So in some way, this still this technology is still going to be used. So I would argue if, if Twitter is to be taken serious, Elon not only has to come out and say, well, or if it is to be true, we've wiped all of that previous shadow banning. And this is what we are going to do in the future in terms of limiting sort of certain impressions. You need to be as direct and, 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 and precise as possible in explaining exactly what that is. Does it apply just to key words or whatever that is in terms of the whole hate speech or hate impressions or whatever it is? Because now we know the technology exists. We're not conspiracy theorists. We know that it was leaning one way in terms of the slant, in terms of who it was applied to. And I was talking about this today on my sh uh, stream about like, well, what are the other tech guys doing and how are they utilizing it? I'm right. interested to see if, you, if YouTube has 
you you gotta think you that would they think have. that this is probably the least egregious. Of right. course, platform. yeah. I think right. YouTube is, yeah. is you know the most egregious when it comes to Siri this. doesn't agree by Siri the way. Siri yeah. doesn't, no, she doesn't agree. Y'all see, I didn't, always I didn't push anything. Sarah, and all, Siri just wanted to chime in. They're that all, was all so this. Big, weird. I need to take this off. Big yeah, tech. I got mine on there. Okay, but so but so this is what I want to say, and I hate to do this because I love the JJ and Jack, and I have to stand up for him because they were right. There is no shadow banning. It's called visibility filtering. So get your terms right. So shadow banning, they are correct. That does not exist. But no, I mean, when we look at this and Elon Musk tweeting out that we need this for every single account. It doesn't matter if it's Charlie Kirk, Dan Bogino, or Alex Stein. And that's what I need. I need now to know whether what you guys did to my account, because I have been temporarily suspended for quote-unquote hate speech. So I guess my point is... We know that there's censorship on these platforms, so welcome to Obviousville. Uh, I just want to know how much we are censored and, you know, who are they targeting? Yeah, if he, he prides transparency so much. He talks about this, Elon. He probably should have that, I don't know, way to search it to see kind of mm -hmm. what it's looking like. If you would, That way, all doubt is kind of, of rid of, because as it looks right now, which we already knew, the trending topics were all manufactured. Mm -hmm. There were certain things that we knew good and well Twitter was talking about that may have looked at uh, some people that, they don't, that they're fond of, let's say that un in an unfavorable light or painted them in an unfavorable light, and they, that just didn't get out there to the degree that it should have. I long knew that the trending topics were, were, were manufactured. What was interesting in that, in that Lives a TikTok deal is that it talks about how in one of her suspensions, something along the lines of that she didn't, like I guess she got an email or something that said she didn't violate anything and she still got the suspension. That was what happened to me, if y'all don't remember, yeah, yeah. Uh, with the whole, uh, when I was out for like six months mm -hmm. off of Twitter, yeah. that's exactly what happened. I got, it was like there was, I, and I said this, I was like, it sounds like there's like conflicting groups within within Twitter because yeah. it's like one group is saying that I didn't do anything yeah. incorrect, but the suspension is still there. Right. So what's actually going on here? So you mentioned, you know, maybe the possibility of Elon bringing out some new features. Uh, he at least has said that they would, uh, he wants wants to create a software update that will show your true account status so you will see if you have been shadow banned. I'm not sure that it will show retroactively if mm. you had been previously mm. shadow banned and are not currently, so that would be a good thing to find out. But uh, if you are shadow banned, the reason why and also how to appeal that. So he is planning on launching that. Uh, he also said that they would soon start freeing the namespace of 1.5 billion accounts that have no tweets or logins for years now. And uh, interesting question he was asked by uh, Ian Miles Chong, who said, here's a question for Elon Musk and Barry Weiss. Uh, do we really not have that? Wow. Okay. Were any political candidates, either in the U.S. or elsewhere, subject to shadow banning while they were running for office or seeking re-election? And Elon said, yes. So we're talking about now active collusion. Again, I understand. Everyone at this table knew this. We knew it was going on. You guys out there who are watching the program, you're smart, obviously, because you're watching this. So you knew that this was going on, but it's like he's seen all of the documents, all of yep. the internal everything, and he is admitting publicly that Twitter was engaged in collusion in recent elections. Will there be the same outcry from the left? Hmm. You're not, which... <laughs> These guys are oblivious, and I say this because I'm always like debating and having discussions with these like commentators mm -hmm. that are in other spaces, or rather leftists. 
And if you talk to them, a lot of them would be under the wrongful assumption that they're the ones that are getting suppressed. Like they're oblivious to this. They're the ones that think that they are against us. All this forms of social media. Oh, Ben Shapiro's the biggest guy on Facebook. That means that us. It's like, no, it's more like out, in spite of that they're like that because all odds sort of work against mm-hmm. people that are in our space or on our side of the aisle that are trying to create on these platforms. But the fact that, and this is why I want, I want names, man. I need names. Uh, and I want to see the communication of folks that were within Twitter, as well as some of these different like government officials that at least had some. Maybe they were running for office or whatever it was that had something to certainly do with that, because we at least know with the first Twitter files that there was some sort of communication between government and 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 the, and like Twitter, which, again, that's when you start to get that merger of corporate and state. And mm-hmm. that's what fascism actually is. It's not mm-hmm. re- guy with the uh, MAGA hat doing things I don't like. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's just like you said earlier, it's just obvious, Bill. I think uh, for me, and I know you re- we're reiterating this, but I want to see the other social media platforms because that's really yeah. where, for me, it's like... Definitely I, like a YouTube. YouTube huh? is so intense. You're never going to see it. I know. I never. And Instagram as well. I mean, I, I, it, but like I said, guys, we're beating a dead horse because we knew this has happened, and now I guess the information is going to come out, but it's kind of like the weapons of mass destruction that we never found in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to care. Oh, they didn't have them? Well, oopsie poopsie. <laughs> Um, I want to play, before we have to go, I want to play, you know, in talking about all of these, uh, you know, libs of TikTok and all of this, uh, uh, everyone getting banned for spewing LGBT hate, except they're not really spewing it, they're just playing people's own videos. Another person who has come under scrutiny after some of her videos have become quite viral, thanks to people like libs of TikTok, is uh, Dr. Gallagher in Miami, a uh, plastic surgeon specializing in double mastectomy surgeries for, they say, this is written so stupid for transgender identifying patients. <laughs> I was just okay, whatever. No, but this story is It's wild, it's right? Wild. So so for those of you we've talked about her on the show before. So for those of you who uh, may be unfamiliar with her, I want to play one of her TikToks describing a day in her life following up with top surgery patients, which is just again, double mastectomy. I don't want even want to call it top surgery. Go ahead. What? And I believe she has a million followers on TikTok. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. A very very active um, yeah. high followed t- TikTok account watch. And so Fridays are always nip reveal Fridays. So of course today I'm in the office with these guys. Say hi. Make it look natural. (laughs) And so usually on Friday I see my fresh post-op patients from the week. Angel Baby, our office dog, came to the office uh, today to help out and see folks. He loves meeting people. Here's another patient all the way from Japan. Another physical therapist came to us, and uh, here's me filming uh, some TikToks, all part of the job here. We're doing a tour of the office artwork, and that will be coming soon, obviously. Now, this patient is super artistic, and actually made us this beautiful acrylic butterfly piece, uh, which we're so excited about. Our Japanese patients brought us uh, these candies, which were amazing, and I'm finishing the day with consults. She also calls this surgery, which, by the way, she ex- explicitly, like, by her own admittance, does this to minors. So for all of you out there who argue that all of these surgeries are not being done to minors, they are. And they're being publicly displayed for everyone to, you know, um, be very excited about. Uh, she's obviously doing all of this, and she calls it yeeting the teat. <laughs> it's, very cu- it's a very cute little name, yeeting the teat, when she chops off the breasts of young girls. Uh, well, one of those young girls, this is uh, Rylan, 
who is a patient of Dr. Gallagher, actually posted this TikTok describing how she almost died after getting top surgery from, again, double mastectomy from Gallagher Watch. The next day I woke up and the hole in my incision had collapsed into a black hollow cavity. There was discolored tissue spilling out of it um, and it looked like it was gonna open more. There was also another hole farther back on the incision that was starting to rip. I took photos, graphic photos of my body and I sent them to Gallagher in a panic. At this point, I reached out to a local top surgeon uh, and sent him my photos. He squeezed me in first thing the next morning and when I saw him, he said that by sight alone, he could tell that it was severely infected. He was really angry with Dr. Gallagher and he told me that she didn't give a about me. He said I would need surgery that Friday, so three days later. When I got home from that appointment, I opened my email to see Dr. Gallagher's response, expecting her to urge me to go seek a second opinion given the complications that I was having. And instead she told me it was looking good and that it wasn't infected. And they took out over half a foot of dead, rotten tissue from my left side of my body. The doctors told me that I could have gone septic and that this bacteria has a very high mortality rate. By the way, um, Gallagher, one of the reasons that this uh, young girl went to this doctor is that she apparently takes patients who have a high BMI that other doctors don't take. Mm -hmm. So she sees that these are patients that are more high risk. But, I mean, th again, this is a life-saving, a life-saving surgery, Alex. Well, just like a 600-pound person often has to get their gastric bypass, mm. go to Mexico because they won't get the surgery approved because their weight is not safe for the surgery here in America. But this is the problem. When you go to a doctor and it, the wound gets infected, it's probably because your doctor is carrying around a Pomeranian during your <laughs> surgery. So maybe, maybe go to a doctor that doesn't have a chihuahua in the operating room. So that's on you, bud, or ma'am, or whatever. But... Yeah, so it's common sense. We need a flow chart. Yeah. I mean, with the bud and the ma'am. Like, I know, it's too hard. I don't know. I mean, sir, I don't know. But I mean, could you just imagine you're cutting off your breast holding a little, you know, a little teacup poodle? No, oh, I this can't. is, oh, TikTok. Come on, take a picture. Oh my gosh, she's going to get a thousand likes. No, this is the disgusting world we live in. And, and I'm, you know, anti TikTok because I know it's some Chinese organization. I think Governor Abbott is now outlawing it for any state official. So we have a Chinese program that gives you fake likes and fake reactions in order to get you more addicted to it. And that's what she is. She's basically subverting her patients, mm -hmm. their safety, in order to get likes on a fake platform. So what kind of dystopian nightmare future are we living in where doctors cutting off women's breasts to get likes on TikTok? Mm. It's disgusting. Uh, blows my mind. Yeah, we are way past Sodom and Gomorrah, mm -hmm. uh, I, I fear. Eric, last word on this. Yeah, I mean, I just hate to hear stories, obviously, like that and to see stuff like that where you have people giving these go to God, giving bo bodies, and there's nothing wrong with them. And it's uh, quite hard and difficult to, to listen to, and it goes to show how crazy things have gotten where we just look at that as normal, mm -hmm. where these people have no issues talking about it publicly. They have no issues uh, discussing it out, out there in the open. Fear of no no consequence right. or anything. Bragging like, about it. Yeah. Absolutely, mm -hmm. like bragging it, bragging on it, and it, getting it's just social disgusting. credit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Like getting pats on the head. Like this mm -hmm. is disgusting. Man. Yeah. Uh, all right, we got to take a quick break. First, want to thank our sponsor, the segment Bonner. So uh, if you're like me and you love drinking your wine over the holiday season, look, you're, you got family in town. You need to be prepared. Make sure you have these wines. They're delicious, high quality wines at an affordable price. Uh, these red wines from Bonner are unlike anything you have ever tasted because they are grown at such high altitudes. The grapes are grown 
in the Andes Mountains at these high altitudes, and you may not, if you don't drink wine, you may not realize what a difference that can make in the flavor of the wine, but it really does. They are made in very small quantities uh, that wouldn't normally make them to the United States, especially not in, in your grocery store. They're not going to have any excess sugar. They don't have the fillers and any oak extracts or dyes. This is like the cleanest wine you can get, and it tastes delicious, so you got to try it. You can go to Bonner Private Wines dot com slash why you're going to get a huge discount uh, and you're going to get complimentary shipping. You're also going to get with this order for a limited time only a bonus bottle of this small batch limited production wine from their exclusive seller. That's four bottles for the price of three over at bonnerprivatewines.com slash why. An arrest warrant has been issued for Sam Brinton in connection with a uh, a second alleged theft at an airport in Las Vegas. Now, you may recall this story. This is, of course, the uh, Biden administration official who was placed on leave, Sam Brinton, a few weeks back after he allegedly stole a woman's luggage at Minneapolis St. Paul International Airport. Now, this was Vera Bradley luggage. It was very expensive uh, to the tune of about $2,300. And he had initially denied that he had stolen the luggage. And (laughs) I love that he called the police back to be like, Okay, I may have not been that forthcoming with you. And uh, uh, this uh, new arrest warrant is in connection with another one. So the guy has, I guess, a a kink for stealing women's luggage. I don't know what he does with the clothing. I'm not sure I want to know. And the warrant is for grand larceny with a value between $1,200 and $5,000. This time were stole from Harry Reid International Airport. Now, as we discuss Sam Brinton who worked in, I don't know, I mean, he's on leave, but I don't think he's officially like banished from the administration. He worked in the Department of Nuclear Energy um, in nuclear waste. And, you know, we've talked about him before and his weird history. I would just like to highlight, So, I mean, it's kind of a low light, not a highlight, but I'd, I'd like to highlight some of these, this history. Uh, he apparently gave lessons on rope bondage according to some images from Instagram, which were highlighted by libs of TikTok. And I, gosh, I really feel like I should have given a warning um, to not watch, to not look at these if there were kids in the room. But there you go. He is, of course, as you will, will come as no shock to you that he is also a kink activist, he calls himself. So this is who we're putting in charge of. I don't know. Does he have the nuclear codes? I would hope not. I would certainly hope not. I don't know what he did either. I, I, obviously, he was a guy that was... Hold on. You do know what he did, Eric. He wore a dress and heels and pranced around the administration right. and pranced around the White House all day that, or wherever the hell he worked. That's all he did. That's true. That's and he very posted true. pictures of, him, of himself so that the Biden administration could say, we're so woke. Yeah. We're so progressive. progressive yeah. We yeah. don't care if you're a man who wears makeup. We'll hire you to run the nuclear department. Yeah, it was, it was like... That was specifically why he was brought on. Um, it was it became kind of very obvious as that like the capabilities or rather what that person could actually do for this department, which is probably a fake department. His job was a fake job to mm-hmm. begin with because it doesn't sound like they were doing too much of Jack crap. Jack mm-hmm. Diddley, I'd say, uh, with you know, on a show that I can't really say <laughs> words that I like to like to say, but I guess <laughs> I guess what, I guess what it does say is I, where I go from the libertarian perspective is just how like 
just nonsensical these jobs are definitely in regards to the federal government that exists where nobody seems to do much of anything or more accurately put it, nobody knows what they do right so you have people that are being brought on you can't really even define what it is that they do now it's about box checking i can get this person put this even if they're not doing anything it makes us look good maybe we can go on some more votes and all that just imagine how many jobs in the federal government that are actually like that it's probably well, well over half of them. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I would say that the federal government is one of the most dysfunctional organizations to ever exist. I yeah. mean, when you hire people like Sam Brenton, uh, you know, who's, I think, assistant deputy secretary or something of the nuclear energy. And then you see also, let me put on my tinfoil hat, you see that they want to do this, quote unquote, Green New Deal, where they want to <coughs> take us off, you know, energy independence. So it's like, I almost think they put them in there to mess up some sort of energy thing. And then, you know, it changes the whole landscape of how we get our power. And now they have to, I mean, this is, like I said, conspiracy theorists. I don't know if he's going to purposely make our country bad, but Obviously, he's not qualified for the job. Obviously, he has so much baggage that just looking at his Instagram, any job, if I want to get a job at Best Buy, they will look at your Instagram. They will, they, it's called a social media, whatever, you know, breakdown or background check. Imagine that, the government looking at his thing and he has his testicles tied up with a rope <laughs> and a happy face emoji. And you're like, you know what? This is our hire. Yeah, I like That's Sam. what got him over the top. Exactly. Yeah. And that should have been the opposite. It should have got him fired from the position or not even, you know, eligible for it. But N- n- hold on. Next thing you're going to tell me that you don't think that Rachel Levine uh, should be in charge No, I of think Rachel. Health. Dick Levine uh, was, is one of the <laughs> smartest people in the world. So, Rachel, you're doing a great job. And she's beautiful. I hope to meet you, Rachel. Don't ever talk. Sam, we can make fun of, but... Rachel and I have something special. So. Okay, all right. Did you see this, Rachel? Because I thought maybe you would say that about Rachel or possibly uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, <laughs> who is just absolutely the worst. Um, yesterday, she uh, totally lost control of the briefing room and ended up storming out after losing patience with a reporter. Watch. Can you take a question of the U.S. Africa Summit? Can you take a question of the U.S. Africa Summit? Karen, why is it so hard to take a question on the U.S. Africa Summit when the president is in 50 African leaders, the biggest garden of leaders of his administration? Why is it hard for you to give me a question? It is not hard. I've answered. I've. Would you let me answer the question, or are you going to? Okay. Okay. I, I'm trying to answer your question. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Okay. I just tried, you wouldn't let me. Go ahead. I just tried, and you would not let me, sir. So your colleague is going to ask a question. Go ahead. No, I just, I literally just tried to answer your question. You shut me down. So now your colleague is going to. You shut me down. Okay. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow. Wow. Question out of respect Wow. She's so bad. We've got another story later on in the program that will really highlight just how bad she is. But um, this administration continues to uh, not want to answer questions, not want to be transparent, I would say, with America. But this in particular was a reporter from Africa, I believe. And um, they keep getting asked tough questions. They they become tougher and tougher because I think uh, the American media is seeing, the worldwide media is seeing, it's becoming harder and harder to kind of cover up and, you know, uh, be a Biden administration apologist at this point. Yeah, she's not good, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, even like Jen Psaki seems to be like working wonders in comparison, you know, Mm -hmm. comparison to her. I mean, they downgraded. Which is why she did it. 
That's yeah. why yeah, Saki to make picked her. Look good. Yeah, she's like, I know. I'm going to pick the worst <laughs> possible candidate for this position. Yeah. I'm going to look like the best uh, press secretary th- you ever had. I think they're the long game. Now, where's she at? Like CNN or some MSNBC? Yeah, 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 doing her thing mm-hmm. over there. She's scot free watching somebody else just do an absolutely terrible job at what her job was doing. She was terrible. Yeah. Definitely compared to uh, McEnany or whatever. She was she was lousy. We used to talk about her, Saki, on the show all the time. Yeah. Like Poor about, man's peppermint about, Yeah, about how crappy she was. And then we get this person installed and it's just so much worse. <laughs> well, for me, my favorite thing is you see that binder, that big, thick binder, and she carries it out. It's like folding over. And what I thought is, you know, she's she's looking at him. And it's, this is like the guy from the African News. And she's like, you know, I don't think there's an African section in this binder. So I don't know if I'm going to have the right answer. So uh, you're not letting me speak. I got to go. Bye. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you shut me down. It's like, yeah. what? Yeah. No, he didn't. Because you know, Africa is on the lowest list of yeah. our oh, you know, yeah, international yeah, conflict. Yeah. She's like, oh, I don't think this is in the book. All right. Eh, you're shutting me down. And blah, 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 blah. I got to go. Just answer the question. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, you, you alluded to, she can't. Uh, all right, we've got to take another quick break. We'll be right back. Yesterday, a detained American, Paul Whelan, expressed frustration that Joe Biden has not done more to secure his release. Of course, we discussed this yesterday when we talked about Brittany Griner, who uh, was just, well, is she back on United States territory mm-hmm. yet? Ground? I don't, is she? She is. She's in Texas. Okay. She's in Texas? I believe so, yes. Yeah, she landed in Texas this morning. <sighs> well, um, this is just kind of a... Very upsetting to see from the Biden administration so many times in Afghanistan, you know, whether it be in the Middle East, wherever. He really seems to just not give a crap about our military. So Whelan spoke with CNN from the high security penal colony where he's imprisoned in eastern Russia, saying, I'm greatly disappointed that more has not been done to secure my release, especially as the four year anniversary of my arrest is coming up. I was led to believe that things were moving in the right direction and that the governments were negotiating and that something would happen fairly soon. I don't understand why I'm still sitting here. And a senior Biden administration official told CNN this was not a situation where we had a choice of which American to bring home. It was a choice between bringing home one particular American, Brittany Griner, or bringing home none. However, yesterday, uh, NBC News issued a report contradicting the Biden administration's official narrative concerning this prisoner swap. And then, of course, quietly went back in and edited the original report. So uh, the NBC first reported they were citing a senior United States official that the Kremlin gave the White House the choice of either Greiner or Whelan or none. And now, of course, it's been edited to reflect what the current narrative is. But hey, you know, I mean, it's okay. We only (coughs) traded the, what's his name? The Merchant of Death. Mm -hmm. Is that his, his nickname? It's okay. We only traded an international arms dealer, the Merchant of Death, who very, very much wants to kill more Americans. Uh, in exchange for a WNBA player that nobody had heard of until she got arrested well, in Russia. Well, so. that, that's not necessarily true. All he did, he just sold weapons to the Taliban that wanted to kill Americans. Victor is pretty chill. That's, yeah, that's he, a great point. he sold the guns to ISIS. Mm-hmm. So it was the ISIS that wanted to kill Americans. So, you know what, let him out. But this is the thing. Is <laughs> he even, actually, maybe he should get the Nobel Peace that's Prize. That's what I'm saying. Barack out. Obama yeah. got the Nobel okay. Peace Prize. All right. he had to do is drop a drone strike every 20 <laughs> minutes for eight years. Yeah. But, yeah. And but bomb then, hospitals, too. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and weddings. Yeah. Yeah. And funerals. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
whether you say it out loud. It, it's almost, it's it, 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 I mean, but that's the world we live in. We're Victor Bout, the guy who's the merchant of death that we traded for a guy who's killed countless amount of people for a woman that got caught smoking weed. And so, like in video games, not that I play a lot of them, but there's like oftentimes they have like trade simulators or mm -hmm. something. And if you try to do an egregious trade in the video game, they say no. In this game, <laughs> this would be a no. I mean, give us a two for one. Give us Waylon and right. Griner. For the We're giving you an, the merchant of, of death. death. Right. You, you're, you're letting a pothead out of prison. Yeah. No, we lost this. Oh, it's disgusting. I'm embarrassed for ourselves. It really is embarrassing how weak we look to the rest of the world. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't, think, I didn't think that this was going to happen. I thought for sure just because of how Brittany Griner is just a WNBA player. I mean, I know if <laughs> I sat up there and got, I don't know, arrested in Russia, I don't think well, the Biden administration is right. going to come get me up right. by yeah. any means. And to be fair, there are Americans that are incarcerated in various parts mm -hmm. of this of this world. And, and in Russia. Yeah, and in Russia that there's really nothing, not a whole lot. They may claim, oh, no, no negotiations are ongoing. Ain't nobody talked to nobody yeah. probably for a very long <laughs> time. But this was a, let's be Honest was a political ploy. It's like mm -hmm. that's the topic of conversation. We saw that for the for the photo ops, he's meeting with uh, Brittany Griner's. I think it's Brittany Griner's wife. Wife, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Uh, we're gonna get, we're doing all this. It's all about optics, right? And it looks good for for him. Maybe not to some other people, considering again the other people that are incarcerated. But this looks good. Um, it's funny, I was looking at Twitter and I'm looking at some of these responses. I, I threw out these various threads and you'd be surprised how many, how polarizing this is. Like why, why on earth was, were we bending over backwards to try to get someone and that's like her screw up, right? Like that's mm -hmm. on, on mm -hmm. her and what she, she certainly done. Either way, look, I'll be completely honest. It sucks that someone for something that like, it's not like she did anything violent or anything to be incarcerated anywhere. But let's be honest, there are people that are in prison in this country right now for less through the various the three strike 100%. rules and all that here that have not been freed right mm -hmm. and you have seemed to bend over backwards to try to get someone from overseas when you got a lot of fo folks a lot of men particularly mm -hmm. black men mm -hmm. that are in jail for really the same ex same thing and there's nothing being done for them you know mm -hmm. that that's kind of the way that i see this and that's how the american people should look at it from the perspective of this guy doesn't really care about any of that. No. This is just a strictly political ploy. Well, and I want to say this. You know, speaking of Twitter outrage, Micah Parsons, the defensive player of the year for the Dallas Cowboys, he tweeted out, oh, we lost this trade, you know, basically calling out Joe Biden. And immediately, immediately he had to delete that and go on. And you should pull up the tweets if you don't if you don't know uh, about this story type in Micah Parsons and Brittany Griner. And we covered it yeah, partially yeah, that's on the show yesterday. So, but yeah. It's just so ridiculous how quick he was like, yep. oh, well, uh, from the intelligence I got, the American government tried as hard as they could to get Waylon. It's like, yeah, right. And now, if you're a person of power and you speak out against it, you're the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Like, that's why I'm like, why are you saying you were wrong? Yeah. What, what do you think they're going to do? Fire you? They're not going to fire you're you. You're the biggest badass uh, in he, the NFL. Well, yeah, he's going to get the biggest, <laughs> right. literally the biggest contract by a defensive player yeah. ever when he when he's up. Right. He has all That's of the bargaining chips. Right. He could have just told. He could have like bucked and said, up. "What exactly are you going to do?" But yeah, I said it. What, right. what, what are any, you going to do? You gonna, you, first of all, you can't whoop me. Number yeah. one, and, <laughs> and number two, like I'm, I'm like the, I'm, I'm going to be like, I, a rookie I'm the, defensive I'm player. The best player in yeah. the league. Yeah. Like, yeah. shut up! I can say whatever I want. Yeah. But, yeah. Nope. Even if you're the best player on defense, shut your mouth. Joe Biden's the best president. Put your head down. Go play football. 81 million votes in the safest and most secure election of all time. Fortify. Of course. <laughs> Boy, that's why they had to fortify it, Eric, mm -hmm. because it was so safe and yep. secure. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
right, I do want to have time to get to uh, St. Louis, what's going on there with reparations. But I mentioned earlier in the program, we played Karine Jean-Pierre just getting really pissed off at the questions that she was being asked and storming off. Uh, well, yesterday, she actually accidentally... <laughs> Alex, you mentioned the big binder, mm -hmm. right? That if she doesn't have an answer in the big binder, she, there's there's nothing going on up here. So mm. she's just bailing. Well, <laughs> she actually, in that binder, she read the wrong answer to a reporter's question about the decision to make South Carolina the first state for the Democrats' primary pres mm. uh, presidential primary process. She just completely read the wrong answer and then tried to cover it up. It is a very awkward moment, watch. Senator Shaheen has a statement. She's apparently not coming to the ball tonight. Oh, okay. uh, she's upset that the president uh, endorsed a proposal to uh, put uh, South Carolina in New Hampshire. And she says that New Hampshire uh, is now vulnerable for her party. Uh, which, does the president have a response to that? So look, um, we, honor, uh, we honor the Hatch Act, as I, as I mentioned <laughs> many times before here, as we are talking about a potential election, a 2020 uh, for a presidential election. But looking backward, it is the ultimate irony, uh, you know, uh, that the 2020 election was was uh, was proven by the Trump administration's homeland. Oh, sorry, I think I got ahead of myself there. This reminds me like we take the law very seriously here, um, and so that's the number one thing. And again, I want to be very careful because of 2024. Oh man, that was a book report for a book she did not read at all. And totally screwed up. Like, imagine your job. You really suck at it, okay? Mm -hmm. But your job is to take a binder with pre-written answers and read the answers. And all she does is stare at the binder and read what's on the paper. And she can't even freaking do that right. She screwed that up. Yeah, she's bad. I, there's nothing that I could say that I didn't say about that previous ah. deal. It's like, yeah, your one job is to at least be somewhat knowledgeable on it. And this is what I think the, say what you will about the Trump administration, what he did a good job with his secretaries, that they knew what they were doing and what they were talking about. So even if it came to like freestyling, like, mm. all right, well, we're off script. That's not a problem. Right. Right. Mm. That, that's not an issue with her. If it goes off script, you know it's 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 about to get bad. And she knows it too. <laughs> she does know too. <laughs> you can you can see that's that. That's why she stays that focused hamster, in the paper. That hamster in the head, like on a cartoon, <laughs> it's like it's all of that because it, it's trying to find something up there and there's nothing there, man. Nothing and the there. wheel is like a little bit off kilter. So yeah. like, boom, boom, yeah. boom. I mean, she's uh, she's the, not the sharpest tool in the shed. And then when you look at the past, you know, press secretaries, I never remember. I mean, I know they probably had binders, but I don't ever remember doing the whole thing like reading. They, she no, never looks up. Yeah, no, that's this is it's unheard of yeah. how bad she is. And it's just so unpersonable. It's just so. And we talk about the affirmative action all the time. Obviously, she's not qualified for, for this position. Right. But well, that's, that's all no excuse. Well, no we know that, that she's yeah. not qualified because, again, same thing as before. When you install some person in here, like what they never talked about. This person was just highly capable of, mm -hmm. let's say, being in this position. It was what box did she check? Mm -hmm. And that's why you were brought on. And I would feel like as a... I could imagine, like, even here, if, like, Blaze approached me. I know I've been doing this for oh, here for a while and been coming up here. And it's like, hey, man, we want you here because you're black. I'd be like, 
nah, bro. <laughs> not, not, not interested. Yeah. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Like, not, not interested. Like, what the hell? So I'm glad that you brought that up because I want to talk about reparations. And we do have, of course, black person expert here, Eric <laughs> yes, July. Yes. So I want to get your take on this, Eric. Um, and then maybe we'll let you white explain to us, Alex. Yeah, so well, say, no the St. Louis mayor, uh, Tashara Jones, is establishing a volunteer panel that will determine the degree to which black residents of St. Louis have suffered from racism. It's going to have nine people, one attorney, one clergyman, a public health professional, a professor from a local college, and one this person. Is this is government in action, the, dude. No, 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 this is the best one. One of those people is going to be someone between the ages of 15 and 18 because those are the people who that really can have some perspective uh -huh. on, on all on of these racism, things, right? Right, like, on th racism and this reparations. This is unbelievable. Like, it, it, you get all these people, a lot of them working actually with the government in some way, shape, or form, be it in, in teaching or whatever, to sit up here and try to discuss on behalf of millions of people what the experiment, experience is. And this is what gets me about, be it racism or even a conversation with reparations, which I think is a largely stupid conversation to sit up here and have because how, how far back are you going to go uh, certainly anyway? But this is just government in action. This is what they do. Mm -hmm. They think that they can speak on behalf. And this is the problem with, with like, it, think about it. It happens on a day-to-day -day basis with how you deal with Congress and the economics of it all, where you got the economists that they hire, and they sit up here and have these panels of a handful of people to try to discuss how exactly literally tens of millions of people, hundreds of millions in the case of, uh, like, federal government and, and embodiment of America, on how this is going to work. You can't possibly dictate that for millions of people. It is literally impossible. That is the problem with central planning. I mean, everybody's experience is different. You can't sit up here and even say with something as simple as, simple as racism that, well, we're going to determine like the experience for what what is the experience for making that person that can live right down the street from that person they can be of a similar skin tone but have two completely different life experiences mm -hmm. in terms of external factors and how they mm -hmm. impact them right if government wants to help black people get the hell out of the way yeah, I think that's fair. And, and, you know, now I'm actually moving to Missouri and I identify as one-eighth black. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> but my point is with the reparations, listen, I would have been all for reparations if it happened in 1890 or, I mean, if it happened in 1910 right. or something. You know, maybe that makes sense. But now If it happened to people who were actual actually, slaves. Yes, who yeah. people were actually involved in this. But, unfortunately, that's not the case. And now you look at the schools with the critical race theory. It's all about guilt. It's all about making people feel guilty for something that they didn't even do because they're associated with a skin color. So, in my mind, that's racist. Mm -hmm. By, by putting everything by gender, skin color, age, I mean, you, you, that, in my mind, the left, and we say this all the time, they're the racist ones because mm -hmm. they're the ones that put everything in a category. Instead of judging people by the content of their character, they're the ones that judge people by the content of the color of their skin, and that's why they get to be press secretary like KGP. Well, it's not even that they put them, I mean, I agree with you, they do mm -hmm. put them into this, like, subcategory, but they also, with critical race theory, um, they're also purposely like that is the real oppression is teaching someone that because of the color of their skin they will not have as many mm -hmm. yeah it's you know, insulting dude yeah. like it's, it's and insulting. it's always been like it's like your experience is supposed to be this way and then what it does is even though i'm i, I freaking came from literally like yeah, I made made a few million dollars. You yeah. know, I made made a few million dollars. It's not like I came for money. <laughs> it's not like I came for money, right? Yeah. But people, instead of looking at that, like yeah. I'm in Texas, I'm in the South too. Yeah. Born and raised in the South, here mm -hmm. between here and Arkansas, bro. Yeah. So all of this is I should be the one of all people mm -hmm. experiencing this this sort of racism to whatever degree. And yet, instead of looking at what my experience is as like a success right. or looking at it like this is something that can be accomplished, it's like I'm lucky, right? Right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm. I, I, 
I'm, I'm the exception or something because, well, I was doomed to fail mm-hmm. because I was black. This is this is why I say racism in general. It's a learned trait. I use this yeah. analogy all the time. You you got children. You understand. You go to a local playground in your neighborhood. These kids will be playing with other kids. Nobody cares. It isn't right. until that stuff is taught. Maybe it comes from the schools. Maybe it comes from their parents to to have to hyperemphasize that. They don't even understand it uh, really to that degree. And then they have to kind of learn that if you want to sort of breathe this out of mm-hmm. human beings, you got to stop approaching individuals as if not as if they're individuals, but as if they belong not only to a race, but then that experience is the same for all of us. Like, and that's just simply not the case. And I just want to make this point, and this goes to the thing, and you know, my favorite big booty Latina, AOC, you know, when I call wow. her out, I'm, well, excuse me, my second favorite big booty, I always forget that you're a big booty Latina, but you're just a small booty Latina. But my point is, <laughs> really not, you know, but she, but I'm saying AOC went and played the victim. That's what it's all about. It's about making people feel like they're a victim already. Yeah. So the CRT, I mean, right, you're, you're right. a young black student that What's made, I'm saying? Like, how can you, how can you inspire someone to go be something if you're telling them you actually don't have a shot. Yeah, you yeah. got no chance. Right. So, and that's what that's what I don't like. And, and it's even worse because Last it's like word. you have no chance. But here I am, the hero right. of the government or right. the, the right. teachers don't or worry, whatever. I'll don't worry, yeah. I'll be the one to get you out of this crappy yeah. situation. Yeah, it's so maddening. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. All right, don't forget that uh, the 2022 Stu Does America Christmas Party Power Hour is coming up later. That is going to be at Stu's YouTube channel at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. Alex is going to participate and is already shaking his head. Because I don't get to be normal. I have to drink hot sauce. I have to drink nasty stuff. You don't stuff. have to. Well, I do because I have to participate. And because I don't drink alcohol, they punish me harder here at The Blaze. So if you're out there, Fox News, NBC, whatever, <laughs> please hire me. They make me drink hot sauce. I'm, no, I'm kidding. I love it at The Blaze. I'm just kidding. I would, uh, I I might rather drink hot sauce than the peppermint schnapps I saw that they have for us. Okay, Sarah's complaining. But in oh, college, rumplemint shots were like... Oh, that was... And they get you into a lot of trouble, don't they? Well, tonight, guys, power hour, there's going to be trouble. So make sure to tune in with <laughs> Stu, with me, with Sarah, with Josh Jennings. Uh, and then who Jason else? Jason Batrol. And Jason Batrol. Who is wearing a tank top in that stupid picture that they have of him. So make sure to I tune like in. I like that. I like uh, that yeah, picture. I respect it. Yeah. I respect it. You know I'm always wearing it, tank tops. Oh, I respect Eric <laughs> is the smart one for not participating tonight. Yes, he is. Because me and Sarah are so, not going to be feeling very good tomorrow. Not, but we hope that you'll tune in. And uh, get some enjoyment out of, I don't know, us feeling like crap tomorrow. (laughs) We'll see you then. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.